Hello and welcome. I'm Rob McLeod, MLEX's Editor-in-Chief. I'm here to present another podcast in the MLEX series of Editor's Picks. As you can probably imagine, my work takes me all over the world, and this week I'm in Asia, where a trial is set to take place involving the biggest money laundering scandal the world has ever seen. It's a huge case, set in a relatively small country. That country is Malaysia, but the ramifications of the case are being felt far beyond Malaysia's borders. The institution at the centre of action is a state fund called One Malaysia Development Burhad, better known as 1MDB. And the trial that's coming up will see a former wealth planner at a Swiss bank in the dock in Singapore. Today I'm here at our Hong Kong bureau with one of our MLEX corruption specialists, Tohan Shi. And she has been covering the tale of 1MDB for more than a year and a half. Welcome to this podcast, Hanji. Thank you, Rob. And so you've written extensively about the 1MDB scandal. Tell us how a sovereign wealth fund in Malaysia, a country whose economy ranks only 38th in the world, ended up at the centre of the largest money laundering investigation ever. And how did Singapore get dragged into a trial related to it? Well, I think the international connections of 1MDB began right at its inception in 2009. Um, in 2009, uh, 1MDB was created first as a local uh, sovereign wealth fund, not even of Malaysia itself, but of a state within Malaysia, Trangano. But even at that stage, Goldman Sachs was closely involved with its establishment, and Goldman Sachs worked very closely with this Malaysian businessman called Low Tech Joe, popularly known as Joe Low. Um, U.S. court documents reveal emails by senior but unnamed Goldman Sachs executives saying that Joe Lowe was an important intermediary of 1MDB, even though he felt held no um, official position in this Malaysian sovereign fund. Subsequently, um, uh, billions of U.S. dollars were transferred out of 1MDB uh, through bank accounts in Singapore, America, Switzerland, Luxembourg, and there have been allegations by um, the American judicial authorities that one um, money from one MDB was laundered, uh, you know, through artworks, through property in London, and that is how um, one MDB just mushroomed into a big international money laundering scandal. Okay, you mentioned that <clears throat> other authorities have been um, around the world uh, looking into the one MDB case. Which other authorities are actually? investigating it and you mentioned the Department of Justice as well. What's the focus of the Department of Justice's civil complaint? Okay, first of all, I think at least four uh, jurisdictions have been very publicly proactive in enforcing against 1MDB. They include Singapore, um, Switzerland, um, Luxembourg and America. Uh, Singapore is one of the first, possibly the first country to put in jail several bankers in connection with the 1MDB scandal which happened late last year. And uh, the Swiss uh, authorities have been very explicit in the official announcements of um, prosecuting uh, several Swiss banks and their executives. And uh, last year, the Luxembourg police, accompanied by a lawyer and um, some legal officials, uh, raided the Edmund de Rochelle private bank um, in relation to the 1MDB case. And in July last year, the United States Department of Justice issued a civil complaint which is part of an attempt under the U.S. Kleptocracy Asset Recovery Act um, to uh, recover one billion U.S. dollars of assets, both within and outside the United States, which the American Department of Justice alleged were the proceeds of uh, money laundering uh, from one MDB, totally more than one billion U.S. dollars. The American Department of Justice alleged in a civil complaint that. Uh, at least 3.5 billion US dollars of 1MDB funds were embezzled by senior 1MDB officials and their associates. 
So Goldman Sachs itself hasn't been accused of wrongdoing, but a number of other international financial institutions haven't been so lucky. Tell us about that. Well, the OneMDB scandal has resulted in the demise of at least one uh, Swiss private bank, BSI, one of the oldest Swiss private banks. Um, last year, both the Singapore, the Singapore authorities closed down the Singapore branches of two Swiss private banks, BSI Bank and Falcon Private Bank, and the Swiss authorities effectively closed down the entire global operations of BSI Bank by forcing it to be merged with another Swiss bank. And then um, also, um, several other banks have been fined uh, by the Singapore authorities, including UBS, which is the biggest Swiss bank, Standard Chartered, Coots, and uh, DBS, which is the biggest Singapore bank. And the Swiss authorities have also um, confiscated uh, the profits related to 1MDB from Coots. And um, the Swiss authorities have... Uh, given a reprimand to UBS, but no more than that. Now, what are the lessons that banks and other financial intermediaries can learn from the 1MDB scandal? Um, I think one very important lesson is that banks must realise that they can never be too um, strict in their compliance um, uh, procedures and internal controls. They cannot afford to be lax about the uh, internal controls and compliance when it comes to possible money laundering. And especially the tone from the top is extremely important. Um, the Swiss authorities have publicly faulted the top management and board of BSI. The Swiss authorities have said that the top board of BSI have knowingly and willingly continued with questionable uh, relation, client relationships in relation to 1MDB. And also um, internal um, Singapore uh, court documents, as reported by Amlex, have revealed that the former CEO of Falcon Bank, Eduardo Lehman, expressed great unease over the transfers of hundreds of millions of dollars of uh, 1MDB-related funds, and he complained and expressed fears that his compliance people might not be too happy with it. And also, um, as Amlex has reported, the US court documents showed that 1MDB officials tried to cajole Deutsche Bank executives to allow 700 million US dollars uh, uh, to flow through to uh, the private bank account of an offshore company controlled by Joe Lowe. And um, the, the Deutsche Bank executives said that their compliance people might not be too happy, but the 1MDB people kept pressuring uh, the Deutsche Bank not to be too strict about their compliance. And what do you see as the major fallout from this case going forward? I see, I mean, to sidetrack a little bit, I see the 1MDB scandal as a kind of a parallel to the very big uh, pharmaceutical scandal involving GlaxoSmithKline, Britain's biggest large, uh, drug company. In 2013 and 2014, um, GlaxoSmithKline, or GSK as it is called, was under investigation in China for bribery and corruption. Although this was a corruption case involving China and GSK, it had international reverberations throughout the entire global pharmaceutical industry. Um, since then, you know, other countries like France have conducted enforcement action against drug companies. Big international drug companies have uh, tightened up their internal controls um, and sometimes changed their business model. And uh, jurisdictions like Singapore have stepped up their compliance requirements of drug companies. I see something very similar happening um, in the wake of this 1MDB scandal. I have already been told that there are much stricter requirements now on the private banks in Singapore. And I would not be too surprised if um, there'll be stricter compliance requirements also in other jurisdictions like America and Switzerland. 
Yeah, one thing that's puzzled many observers is the fact that the Malaysian Prime Minister, who was chairman of 1MDB until just last year, hasn't been damaged politically by the scandal. Now, he's denied any wrongdoing, but he's been identified as, and I quote, Malaysian official number one in the DOJ's civil complaint. Nancy, why do you think the Prime Minister has been left relatively unscathed, despite everything that's happened? I think there are two main reasons. One is that so far, uh, the Malaysian Prime Minister Najib still has a strong political support base among the rural Malays of his country. Secondly, um, the Malaysian opposition, even though they're very strongly opposed to him, remains rather fragmented. Uh, but it is widely expected that um, general elections in Malaysia may be called as early as this year. And it's still an open question whether Najib could be elected as Prime Minister for a further term after these elections. The big question arises about, about what happens when Najib leaves office. Um, it is quite possible after he leaves office, his enemies might pounce on him and force the exposure and further investigations within Malaysia of the 1MDB scandal. And this could possibly have implications for international banks. The question remains, if um, what has been buried or suppressed or censored within Malaysia on the 1MDB affair comes to light, uh, what new information will it yield on the role of big international banks in 1MDB? Well, whatever you think of Najib, he's clearly a political survivor, at least he has been so far, uh, even though the scandalous cost bankers and others their careers and more. Hansi, thanks very much indeed for explaining this complicated story for us. Uh, if you'd like to read Hanshi's coverage of 1MDB, you can find his report on our website. That's at mlexmarketinsight.com. You've been listening to Toe Hanshi. I'm Rob McLeod, and thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to your next visit as you catch up with more in our ongoing series of MLEX podcasts.